Joining us today on the Alagos Radio and the the Alagos interview series is one of the world's most remarkable athletes, the ultramarathon man Dean Karnazis. He has been named one of the 100 most influential people in the world by Time Magazine and has accomplished a number of incredible athletic feats. Dean, thank you for joining us today on our program. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. I, I always enjoy doing your show. Dean, you've accomplished some incredible feats. You've run 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states. You've run in the South Pole. You've run in Death Valley. And yet, you weren't always an athlete. You led what many would consider a normal life until, I believe, you were around 30 or so. So what changed and what led you to begin running? (laughs) I I blame it on bad alcohol. (laughs) But, you know, I used to love to run when I was a kid, and I remember running as just a great sense of freedom for me. I started running when I was six years old, running home from kindergarten, and I ran competitively when I was a freshman in high school. But then you're right, I stopped running altogether for over 15 years. And then I was in a a nightclub on my 30th birthday, (laughs) celebrating, as we do here in America on our 30th birthdays, by drinking a lot of alcohol. And at 11 o'clock at night, I said to my friends, you know, I'm I'm leaving. And they said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to go and run 30 miles tonight to celebrate my 30th birthday. And, And they, of course, laughed at me. They said, you're not a runner. You know, you've been drinking. What are you thinking? And I said, nah, you know, I used to love to run when I was a kid. And and I want, uh, I want that intensity, that freedom back in my life. So I literally at 11 o'clock at night uh, in San Francisco walked out of a nightclub on my 30th birthday and ran 30 miles straight through the night. And I guess a little did you know at the time uh, what would follow and all of the different races that you would run uh, in the next uh, few years. <laughs> I had no idea that, you know, I, I just knew that it felt right, even though it hurt so bad to run 30 miles after not having run for so many years, it just felt right. And I thought, you know, the, the course of my life is being changed right now. I wasn't sure where it would take me, like you said, but uh, I, I just knew at that point things were going to change. I was bored. I was a, a corporate guy, a businessman, and, you know, I, w- I had all the things that were supposed to bring me happiness that we hear about. I mean, I had a nice car. You know, I had a nice house. I had a, a nice paycheck, and and I wasn't happy. I thought, you know, all this stuff that I thought would would make me fulfilled wasn't doing it. It, it. There was something lacking in my life, and it all changed that evening. Now, some of our listeners might be wondering, how do you prepare for these races? What is your normal workout routine like, and how do you gear up physically and mentally as well for all of the different races that you run? Well, I think the the one thing that is unique about me is that I've never I've never lost the passion just for the art of running, just for the very freedom and, and just love of physicality that running brings to people. So I, while I do race and I do a lot of competitions, I also enjoy just going out on on runs on my own, just you know running for three or four hours by myself through the hills here in. Northern California, which is very much like the, the hills in Greece. And to me, that, that sort of just love of the art of running itself is what kept me in the game for so long because so many of the competitors that I race against, you know, they, they suffer burnout. So they might last, you know, five or maybe 10 years and then they, they don't like running anymore. And that's because they are always racing. For me, uh, I'm doing both, you know, en- enjoyment, pleasure runs, fun runs, as well as races. And when I am racing, I am, um, you know, one thing I do, and this might sound kind of crazy to a lot of listeners, is I run regular marathon distance races as training runs for the longer ultra marathons that I, I really uh, specialize in. So I might sign up like I just ran the New York City Marathon, for instance. And some people think, wow, that's kind of the 
the pinnacle of of endurance sports is to complete a marathon. Well, <laughs> you know, when I'm when I'm doing a uh, hundred kilometer, two hundred kilometer races, a marathon seems kind of short. So I do a lot of uh, marathons just as training runs, and then I also um, I run probably five or six days a week when I'm training, and I probably run upwards of 100 miles per week on a training week. Recently, you came to Greece as part of the Navarino Challenge, and you ran a marathon in the regions of Arcadia and Messinia. Aside from the significance of running in your country of origin, the country where your parents are from, what was the message that you were trying to promote through the Navarino Challenge? Well, one, it was a message of inclusion. So bringing people together of all levels and abilities to me was very important. So we had elite Olympic athletes there, as well as just everyday athletes, just joggers that were just going, everyone was going at their own pace, but we were all together and all um, celebrating in sport. And that to me is very Greek. The Olympics were conceived not as elitist athletes competing against each other, but places where the, the average citizenry could come out and compete and, and practice and train with, with elite athletes. So very much in that same idea of the ancient Olympics was the Navarino Challenge. And we also wanted to um, really highlight the importance of physical activity and good diet as far as lifestyle. Here in America, as, as you know, we have a tremendous problem with obesity and inactivity, especially amongst our youth. And Greece is facing that very same problem. And I was hoping to kind of issue a wake-up call that it's not too late to change and a great journey starts with a single footstep so you know we just encouraged everyone to come out there no matter if you were just taking up jogging or if you were an Olympic marathoner come out and join in the celebration of, of sport and, and good nutrition and of course you are also a major proponent of the Mediterranean diet something which you tried to highlight through the Navarino challenge how does the Mediterranean diet prevent childhood obesity and in general promote a healthy lifestyle <laughs> well, that's a good question, and I, I think I should um, delineate between you know traditional Mediterranean diet, which is the diet I prescribe, versus kind of the current Mediterranean diet, because you know now uh, a lot of the foods that the Mediterranean people eat are not so healthy. But to me, I am um, through a process of elimination, so I really tuned into the foods that I eat and how they make me feel. Do foods that I eat make me feel energetic and lively, or do they make me feel tired and lethargic? Do foods that I eat enhance and improve my performance, or do they hinder and, and slow down my performance? And through a process of eating those foods that helped and eliminating those foods that didn't help, I came to a Mediterranean diet, a very traditional Mediterranean diet. And I thought, huh, it's so funny. I've gone back to my roots after, um, after experimenting with every possible diet on, on the planet, it's come to the Mediterranean diet as the most healthy and most beneficial for both general feelings of, of health as well as sports performance. So um, I very much advocated this type of diet both here in America and, and to Greeks. And what does the traditional Mediterranean diet consist of for you? Well, thankfully, I live in a little town called San Francisco. So seafood is really important in the Mediterranean diet, and it's very important to me. So fresh fish is a very important component. Along with that, there's lots of fresh vegetables, fresh fruit, and there's olives and olive oil. So fats from monounsaturated sources, such as olive oil, which is one of the healthiest fats on earth. Lots of vitamins and minerals through good food, natural food, unprocessed food. So I don't need anything that comes out of a bag. 
ag. I mean, I primarily eat food that um, you could pick in a garden as well as food that you could catch <laughs> while swimming or, you know, in the ocean. And that's basically the constituents of a Mediterranean diet. It's a very simple diet, but I also use quite a bit of spices in my diet. So paprika and um, oregano, basil, as well as, as fresh squeezed lemon. So it's not a bland diet at all. It's a very tasty diet. We are on the air with the, the ultramarathon man, Dean Karnazes, here on the Alagos Radio and the Dialogos interview series. And Dean, you have said in the past that you were influenced by the ancient Greek hero Philippides, who ran from Marathon to Athens to announce victory. What was it like to run these races in Greece as part of the Navarino Challenge and indeed to start the marathon from the birthplace of your father? It was very spiritual for me. It was a very moving experience to go to the place of my roots and see it as as it was when my grandfather was there. And, he, and even his grandfather, little has changed in the area that my family is from. And the other thing that struck me is how magical uh, Greece really is. It, it's hard to describe. I mean, when people ask me, well, what was it like? <laughs> I can't do it in a single soundbite. It, there's something magical about the air in that region, especially in the mezzanine region. It, it has to do with the interplay of light, of the sunshine, of the humidity, of the, the, the saltiness, uh, the salinity of the air, you know, the, the quality of the air. There's just something about it that makes you feel vibrant and alive. When I got to this place, I just felt so alive and so vibrant as though it's where I belonged. And it, <laughs> it was strange to, to visit a place that I had never been to before, but I knew that my ancestry had come from and to visit that place after so many years and feel like this is right where I belong. I, I finally feel at home and very comfortable being here. So it was, it was quite a spiritual experience for me, uh, as well as a, a, a great celebration. And how did the local communities in Arcadia and in uh, Messinia respond to the Navarino Challenge and also to your visit personally as well? Both were overwhelming. The people were so warm and cordial, and they so invited me into their hearts and into their souls. So I was very welcomed. I felt like I was uh, among kindred spirits. I felt like um, these were my people. And not only am I speaking about the runners and the athletes, but just the town folk. So any place we ran, all of the people came out to the village and celebrated. There was hundreds of people, spectators, everyone cheering, you know, handing out food and refreshments. So it was really a great celebration, I think, of Greek heritage, as well as some great people involved. So it was, it was just quite a memorable experience and something I won't forget for the rest of my life. Now, from what I understand, the ultimate goal is to make the Navarino Challenge an annual event. Is that correct? Yeah, so this this was the first year, and for an event to be that successful the first year is quite amazing. And I think, you know, in years to come, it's going to be even more spectacular. And last time that you were on our program, which was a couple of years ago, we were still known as uh, Austin Hellenic Radio at the time, you had shared another goal of yours, which was to ultimately run a marathon in every country in the world. Have you made any progress uh, towards this goal? <laughs> <laughs> it's still a goal. It's still a dream. And I will say that it's a trickier proposition than when I had thought of when I initially conceived it. So it is moving forward. I'm working with the UN and the US State Department, still trying to get all of the passports and permits required to enter every single country. So it's been a long process. It will happen. It's just taking a little bit longer than I thought it would. 
Now, in closing, you're someone that has faced many challenges in your life. What message would you like to send to our listeners and in particular to the people of Greece as they face one of the most challenging times in the country's history? Well, I don't want to get preachy to the people of Greece because it's it's hard for me, you know, being here in, in America with a, with a stable career to say, be strong and persevere through this hardship. But I will say that during my visit to Greece, I was encouraged by what I saw. I thought, you know, from the news we see here in America, it looks much worse than what I encountered. Even the people that have been displaced and out of work, they still have a spirit about them, a positive spirit and hope. And I think that as painful as the process is in Greece, it will make the Greek people stronger. I've learned as an athlete that adversity makes you stronger. Hardship makes you emerge tougher on the other end. So my message to the Greek people is to be strong, is to stay the course, is to remain optimistic and positive. I will say that here in America, Greece is still viewed as a, a magical and mystical place. Greek people are still held in very high regard and with high esteem. So I don't think anything has been lost in this crisis. I think that something had to change. It's clear from looking at the economic reports that Greece could not stay on the same path they were on. And I think as difficult as this transition has been, I think Greece will come out of it stronger and better. So that's my hope. And I'm going to do everything I can to help that dream come true. Well, Dean, thank you very, very much for taking the time to speak with us today here on the Galagos Radio, and best of luck with all of your continued endeavors. Well, thank you, and I hope I see you and many, many others at the Navarino Challenge next year in 2014.